Hey there, it's Rob Callen. Since the Lead with a Question podcast launched, we've been so grateful to hear from listeners who have found the show meaningful. Now, if that describes you, could you take a minute and subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and maybe even write a short review? When a podcast is newer like ours, every single listener interaction helps other people discover the show as well, whether on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. It really means a lot to us. Thank you. This is Lead with a Question. I love addressing the mindset because uh, we create our own limitations, but I think it starts with awareness because someone could totally be unaware of that and not recognize it. And the moment they do realize that, oh, I've, I've created uh, this limitation in my life because of a fear. And then once you do recognize that I'm creating this limitation for myself, then you can rise above it and say, well, what do I need to do to break free of it? Hi, I'm Rob Callan. We live in a time when people are seeing that the old way of doing business is broken and that leading into the future requires something new, a deeper focus on humanity, the courage to let go of power and ego, a desire to nurture the conditions for co-creation, and the bravery not to have all the answers. On this show, I, along with my friends Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen, connect with guests who embody these principles. And whether household names or not, they've shattered the status quo, often as misfits, to shape the future with others and achieve miraculous things in work and life. This week, we'll start with a quote attributed to Leonardo da Vinci. Once you have tasted flight, you will forever walk the earth with your eyes turned skyward. For there you have been, and there you will always long to return. For this installment, we want to take you to a higher place. We'll meet a woman who faced huge physical challenges right from her birth, but through her fearless spirit and innovative mindset, she's conquered her limitations, and now she fights to empower others as well. She'll ask all of us, are you brave enough to face the impossible? A conversation with Jessica Cox, on this episode of Lead with a Question. Well, you all know my name is Jessica. I was born without both of my arms, and uh, since day one, since the beginning, I learned how to adapt using my feet as my hands, um, doing ordinary tasks. Um, during development as a child, I learned how to write, feed myself, and do all the things necessary to live a, I guess you could call it, uh, normal life, or I don't even think normal is, is a good word to use, <laughs> because um, for me, it was really about seeing things in a different light and that unique perspective coming in as someone who has a different take on the world is what I'm able to now share with others in when I speak is I, I tell them about how you can see challenges in a different way or you can see the things and obstacles in front of you 
in a way that you can make it work for yourself and you can learn from it and really tackle the challenge in a unique way. Would you be able to share just a few maybe examples of things that you have to think about based on your circumstances that maybe someone who was born with both of their arms wouldn't have to think about? I mean, what are what are some of those differences that you've you've noticed in your life? It's so funny because when you ask that question, I I really have gotten to a point in my life being where I am now where it's so automatic. And for me, when I see something in front of me that may seem like it's very um, hand-centric or something that is very much uh, built to be done with hands, uh, I immediately just break it down. And there's this process that I don't even think twice about now where I'm immediately saying, well, this is how I can do it. So I see something and in my brain, it translates into, well, how do I work with my toes to do the same thing? And it's so automatic that I'm not even aware anymore of that. There are some things that are more complex. Um, For example, let me just give you some examples to kind of make this uh, relatable. Um, Maybe if it comes to opening up a jar of peanut butter and I go over and I'm, and for one, taking it out of the cabinet is a challenge because I don't have that same kind of grasp grasp or the same length and fingers as I do with my toes. So instead of grabbing the jar of peanut butter out of the cabinet, I use my chin and shoulder to uh, grab it between there, between the chin and shoulder, and I'm able to pull it out of the cabinet. And then once I have it, I put it down on the floor where I can reach it with my feet. And well, most people would use their fingers because they're long enough to twist open the cap. But for me, uh, obviously my toes are short, so I have to uh, grip the lid in a different way, uh, usually in the arch of my foot or um, using both feet uh, and the toes on both feet to turn the lid from the side of the, of this uh, jar of peanut butter. And then when I turn when I um, open it, uh, I grab a fork or spoon or a knife uh, in the same way that others would do that with their hands. But see that whole process of picking it up and then putting it on the floor and opening it. That might seem a little more uh, a little, take a little bit more time. But for me, that's, that's how I have my peanut butter in the morning. (laughs) So another good example, I think in my life, which, uh, took me a lot longer to be able to do independently was get dressed on my own. And while getting dressed for most people, you think, you know, you go in there, especially as a kid, you learn as a toddler to put your clothes on. But for me, because I didn't have the arms and hands actually specifically pulling clothes on up, and on was always a challenge. So we found this unique tool, which is a windshield repairman's tool. And it's essentially a hook that they use on windshields to remove cracked or broken windshields when you're in the shop and you need that replaced. Uh, We took that and I suctioned that on the side of a door or a wall or a cabinet. And when the hook is facing upwards, I'm able to hang my clothing on that hook, step into my clothing and wiggle my way in. And I will tell you, the very first time that I got my pants on by myself, it was this like moment of, wow, I really did that. And it sounds silly, but for me, that was like a big celebration, that sense of independence of doing something on my own or finding a means, repurposing a tool for the purpose of doing something independently. Now, that's not how everyone else gets stressed, but now I have this hook 
And people have reached out to me from around the world who are born without arms or parents who have children born without arms. And they're like, I don't know how my child's going to get dressed on their own independently. And I'm like, well, I know how I've done it and perhaps this will work. And I send this hook out across the globe and it has transformed lives because I see kids now, you know, a decade later and they're like, yeah, I still have my hook or I'm still using my hook and I'm still independently uh, doing that. And it's just so gratifying to have give them that surge of independence. That's something that took me a lot longer because it started with essentially a three-year-old or four-year-old with a simple hook that was like a coat hook that we put on a block of wood and my dad mounted that on the wall in the bathroom so I can get dressed on my own. And now I have this mobile device that was intended for windshields and now is empowering people around the world who are missing limbs. Incredible. I, I love the the creativity and use of of other objects that have other purposes for, you know, your, your challenges or things that you've integrated into what works for you. That's, that's a really incredible example. Yeah. Now, as you continued to kind of hit these, these milestones, maybe we could call them, did you draw strength from any principles in particular? What, what helped you sort of confront some of those inevitable challenges that that you would have come across? Well, one of the things that I always talk about, which is probably pretty obvious when you hear my story, is the perseverance or persistence to do something because nothing really came easily in in the way maybe it would for someone who could just watch someone do it and, and figure it out. Um, so for me, it was a series of trial and error. What's working, what's not working. For example, that hook took, you know, maybe a decade, more like 15 years to figure out what's, what's working and what's not going to work. Um, and, uh, so when it comes to anything, the persistence for me is something that I just can't give up on that first try. If it didn't work this way, then figure out a new way to do it or keep on uh, honing this uh, technique or, or the craft to be able to figure it out and find a way in, a, in the world built for hands and arms. I have been the type of person that is fearless since the beginning. I was five years old when I jumped in to, or maybe I was four years old when I jumped into our backyard swimming pool in the, the childhood home I grew up in. And it wasn't necessarily about thinking first or, you know, thinking through the process, but you kind of just got to jump in. And that whole visual of as a five-year-old jumping in the pool and figuring it out from there, how I just kick my legs enough to keep myself afloat and swim. Um, that's how I've been with everything. I, I don't necessarily methodically approach it and think, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I do break it down in my head, but a lot of times it's that fearless approach of just jump in and do it and then you'll figure it out. And that's something that I've carried with me from a very early age that I'll figure out when I get in, but just do, take that first step, t take the plunge. And then from once you do that, you can then move forward with figuring it out and finding a way um, to maneuver through it. And that is just how I've been in the fearless, um, persistent person. Um, for me, I'm also very driven by people who've challenged me in a way and saying, oh, it can't be done or, you know, you don't have arms and there's no way. And that for me just channels more energy and reason to say, yes, it can be done. 
And fortunately, my whole life has been about hearing those naysayers and those doubters from the very beginning. But as a young person, I've been able to channel that in a way into almost positive energy to work forward, move forward and um, work through the obstacle. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, some of what you're highlighting too, like, I think for anybody and most people, right, the natural kind of state is perceiving failure or the difficulty of something as potential failure, right? And so they don't start or they think this is going to be too hard, right? And and they don't go down the path. But like, it sounds like, I mean, what you're sharing as I'm, as you're sharing it, it feels like, wow, you're your whole perception of what failure is or what we would think of as failure is entirely different from what most people would perceive. And it kind of alludes to like, Hey, there's these barriers or these obstacles. And as Steve jobs would say, it's like, well, just figure out what the obstacles are and then you delete them and then you have a path. Right. So it's not about like, and then you can achieve impossible, what would be perceived as impossible things just by figuring out and, and moving in that direction. Right. It seems, and not everybody, has that perspective, but I think it's, it, it begs the question then is how do, how does somebody who may feel like, Hey, they're, they're facing an impossible thing, right? They're facing a job loss, right? Or, uh, yeah, I mean, in today's world, right. There's layoffs happening, uh, or, you know, the financial challenges that they're facing something with a relationship or just something that feels completely impossible that they've never done before. And so, you know, how would they get started facing that and being fearless like like you've done? I love that question because impossible uh, is all about perception. And if you even break down the word, as many of us know, it's I'm possible. And um, also the perception of failure that you brought up and how how are we able to make that shift? And I think that if you can really address the way in which you see the failure or the potential failure and saying, well, um, I'm going to learn something from this and being able to see it in a different light, I think helps make it less uh, intimidating when going out to do something and saying, you know what, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do the best I can. And while I may not succeed at this, I'm still going to try something that's going to make my life better, or I'm going to learn something from it. And just at least having that affirmation that you're going to go through it and it may not come out in the same way you, you, you hoped it would, but you did it and you survived and you learned something from it. I think being able to do that really shifts the way you see anything um, that say, seems difficult or seems impossible is just looking at it in that kind of light. Awesome. So Jessica, at some point in your life, as you graduated from these different, you know, challenges of learning how to get dressed, et cetera, you graduated to a, a fairly big challenge, which was approaching aviation. So how did your interest in flying the plane first start? And when did you decide, you know what, I'm not just going to get interested in aviation, I'm going to actually aspire to fly myself? The start of my aviation journey was shortly after college. I mean, I um, have always wanted um, a new challenge. And uh, graduating college, I was I was on to my next thing, and that was to start this career as a speaker and to take on every opportunity I could at the moment to speak in front of an audience to 
do the motivational speaking circuit, follow the the steps of, of you know Zig Ziglar and do that whole world. And then after college, about that same time when I was starting my career, a fighter pilot came up to me and he said, how would you like to fly in a plane? And I immediately froze because I was terrified of flying. But I've been saying as a speaker and and having speaking opportunities, I talk about being fearless and about overcoming your own fears. And I thought, what better way than to be an example for others that I could overcome the fear of flight? And I, I basically went at it and, and attempted to overcome this fear, which I still have a little bit of fear in me when I'm flying, which is fine. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me uh, very awake and, and, and alert, um, but I'm able to do it despite the fear. And so I started out um, with that invitation to go up in a single engine airplane, which I'd never been in a small plane my entire life. And shortly after college, I went up on my first flight in a Cessna airplane and it was it. I had my feet on the yoke, my right foot on the yoke, my left foot just was in a shoe. But I put my right foot up on the yoke in the co-pilot seat, and the pilot to my left, the pilot in command, lets go of the controls, and he says, "You're flying the plane." And in that moment, I caught the bug, and I said, "We'll do whatever it takes. I want to become a pilot." That is incredible! Wow, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because it, it kind of changes, it shifts. And we talk about that. We've talked with some other folks about this too, but it's, you're, you're getting at the heart of it because you've experienced it such a deep way. It's like, you know, people facing challenges are really, or just in general, right. In life in general, oftentimes there's such a focus on loss, right. Or missing the mark about achievement. Right. And we could test this with, Hey, if somebody loses, let's say a hundred dollars versus if they gain a hundred dollars somehow, they're going to be kind of more focused on the loss, right? And the pain of that versus what you're saying about learning or being fearless, right? To face our challenges or to look at it as learning is that's gaining from the learning, right? And, uh, and I love that because, um, you know, as simple as it is, it's like, well, that offers a path, right? That we can all do in, um, whether it's difficult moments or just in general, like I think in life, you know, I, I know for myself, like, you know, if it's something that is new, right. It's, it, it can feel there's a, there's a level of discomfort associated with something new. Right. And, um, and it sounds like your comfort level with these new or different experiences was very, it has been very high. And to go from, you know, some of those, I'm curious, like going from some of those, you know, uh, definitive kind of moments of realizing, yeah, like with the the hook that you can do these things, yes, right. That, um, and even though it takes, you know, years of in persisting and figuring it out and then going from that to flying a plane, which <laughs> speaking of like, you know, concerns about achieving or doing like, I, I, I would not know where to even start. Like there's so many buttons, you know, so yes, for me, flying a plane is what people are most baffled about and how does I do that without arms and hands and, and, and function independently in the cockpit to fly solo and certify to do so. For me, it's, and it's been over 10 years now, so it's not as fresh in my mind and I'm trying to bring myself back to that place, but I probably should bring up a more uh, fresh challenge, which we are trying to build the first ever airplane that can be flown with feet. And this is a kit airplane um, that takes 
uh, about 2,000 hours to build in addition to the modifications to putting in this plane. Now, I'm not a builder, so most of that building is going to be left to someone, but the modification portion is where I'm providing feedback as to how do we modify this plane in a way that is intuitive for me, that is very uh, friendly for me and comfortable in the pilot command seat. And so that's very fresh in my head. And I think about it. And if I want to kind of bring myself there, it's a little fresher to think about how intimidating it was to take on this task. And I knew it was going to be potentially a four five-year project and in thinking about diving into something and taking the plunge with something like this, it was it was a little overwhelming at first. But now that we've been six, eight months in the process of doing it and we're taking these little baby steps to get there, it's really crazy how it's it's becoming a reality. And literally two days ago, the first part of this airplane kit was shipped off. So we're anticipating the kit and uh, it's called the empennage, which is the part of the plane, the tail of the plane. And we're going to be receiving that here um, very shortly in, in a matter of, of days. And when we start that process, it's going to become more real because um, there's a physical part of the plane now. Um, but it was a scary thought at first, but I also started with the end in mind. And I knew that this airplane is going to impact so many lives of children with disabilities, of uh, people with disabilities, or people who have been told things that they can't do it, even if they may not have a physical disability. But that emotional support that this airplane is going to bring to so many, knowing that, hey, if this plane can be built, the first ever in, in history, a plane built to be flown with feet, then heck, anything's possible. And we can really approach universal design and making this world an easier place for those who have disabilities. So I think having that mission in mind and and keeping in light that end in mind of what we'll be able to do, it really helps you push through those difficult days of I'm going to wake up now and, and do something to get closer to this intimidating task. Wow. I mean, you went from learning how to fly a plane, right? You had to make those modifications in your mind, uh, certain physical changes and how you approach those flights to now you're co-creating with others, you know, a modified plane that could help countless others, right? I think that's, that's incredible. So you've gained the experience on how to fly a certain way. Are you a little nervous on how, you know, your, your creation that you've helped, you know, introduce to the world, how you're going to have to modify your approach to, to flying, you know, this new creation? What are your thoughts on that? It really is uh, a, an intimidating thought that I'm going to have to essentially learn, relearn how to fly because I've been flying for over a decade now in a plane that I made to work with obviously my feet and legs and the way that other pilots use their hands on the controls. And also this unique plane that I currently am certified to fly in is a 1946 415C Aircoop airplane. And it, because of its unique design, it has two less controls than the average airplane. And so it simplifies flying for me. And now we're going to take on the daunting task of making it more difficult in a way because there's more to do, but at the same time, make it comfortable for me to be able to use my feet on the controls and design for my movement in a much more comfortable way. So uh, it's really exciting. I know it's going to be like relearning something that I've already 
I've already processed and now it's almost like rote memory and and I've been able to do that already and now I'm going to have to start from scratch again. But I think again about how uh, this will impact others. And for example, there's another young boy uh, who's 11 years old and he's he was born without arms, but he's obsessed with flying. And I think about him starting out in this plane and it'll be all he'll ever know and how that will be so much easier. So I think focusing in on on giving back and how this will serve others is helping me to move forward um, uh, with my nonprofit and, and the goal of, of making this plane uh, really share that message that universal design is, is possible for everyone and how we can be inclusive. And that's why it's, it's something that we're excited. We're really excited about is about this young boy who's obsessed with flying and it's going to be, take some time. I'm going to have to open up the books again, relearn flying <laughs> and start again from scratch. But well, I'll, I think I, I'll get there. Well, this is inspiring, Jessica. You know, and, and in the sense of like, hey, specifically people that have similar, face similar challenges, but definitely for really anybody, right? Because we all have whatever setbacks or perceived obstacles in our way. And, you know, something like this, like, you know, and I have a sister who has, you know, struggled with disabilities and, you know, like our family, there, there are things that we, we don't agree on. Like, you know, there's a lot of us brothers and sisters, but everybody is inspired by my sister and the things that she's been able to accomplish given all, like all of her, like, and she wouldn't even perceive them as obstacles because she's just blasted through them. Right. And, and, you know, like you and, and at the level that you have and in the way that you're doing, you know, with this team and, you know, with this, you know, little boy that you're talking about. And like, I guess the question for probably a lot of people would be, how can we get involved? You know, is there a website we can connect with that, you know, uh, can help, you know, share this story, right. About what you're doing. Thank you, Chris. Yes, I welcome um, people with their ideas. Uh, the modifications are not going to be easy. We've had some prototypes already, but we welcome engineers, people who think that they are, you know, have some kind of insight into aviation and flying planes. And so we do have a website called the impossibleairplane.com. And that is how people can submit their feedback. Uh, we also have a means of supporters if people want to help support this project. It is costly to build a plane, so even like $5 a month or some some level of support would be appreciated. People can follow this on social media. We have a Facebook page where we're updating people on uh, how this is going to be monumental and, and starting off with – we just posted like yesterday that we – our, the kit is on its way, so it's exciting news for everyone. But we want to make this a community effort. We want to make a lot of people involved and be a part of this because it's it's not just about me. It's just not, and not just about accomplishing this airplane, but it's about the bigger picture, about how we can be inclusive, how we can be supportive of various disabilities. And that's what it's all about. That's wonderful. Now, going a little bit deeper. What does your involvement with this work mean for you personally? Uh, I, my involvement with what we're doing and the incredible things, I think personally it brings a lot of purpose. It brings this message of giving back. Because I have lived a beyond blessed life up to this point. It's it's unbelievable the things 
the opportunities, the wonderful family, the friends, the people who've come into my life. And I feel like what better way than to just give back and create this cycle and to do the same for the world. And personally, I'm a woman of faith, so I have been moved by the ways in which I've seen my life unfold in knowing that there's this greater purpose. So I feel like I'm part of something bigger and I'm part of something that is not just about one person, not just one about one story. And I just, I feel like I'm a part of something grand and I do, I'll do my part in, in being great, grateful and doing the best I can to, to do that and, and, and just watch and enjoy the journey and the process to get there. So I feel fortunate and I feel blessed. And every day I have to express that gratitude and just giving back is, is a way and, and being a part of something grand. That's great. Now, we all know someone in our circles who is likely struggling with some sort of disappointment or challenge and might even be feeling um, at, at a point where they don't really foresee a future in which things might improve for them personally. Um, if they're listening right now, and especially having listened to your story, what words would you most want to share with that person? I would really want to share with that person to just hang in there because the best is yet to come. And while you may not recognize in that moment of struggle or difficulty, it's helping you to become a better person. It's strengthening you in ways that you would never know. And in the end, you're going to come out of it better than before. So while it's hard in the moment, uh, hang in there. Hang in there and don't give up. Yeah, I think that's such a great message, you know, especially and, you know, for everybody, right? We've all been through a lot. Like the world has been through a lot, right? We've had a pandemic, uh, the shifts in the economy. I mean, it's that's fresh, right? Like there's a lot of things happening that, you know, it may feel very very challenging for people. Uh, and there's, you know, when we talk about disability, it could even, you know, cross the, you know, more broadly with like mental health, right. And how people feel about, you know, their ability to function right. in, in their, in their day, whether it's work or life. So that's such a great message of inspiration you're sharing about, you know, just, you know, just to, you know, stay the course. Right. And I love the analogy of flight too, because the idea of, you know, rising above, right, uh, is just such a beautiful uh, analogy for that. And you know, really turning, you know, whatever pain we have or struggles into power, right, or fuel, right, for, for the future to, to rise above it and to see, you know, to see higher, right? Because I can only imagine, you know, having been at a plane where you looked at, it's just, it is inspiring to see, you know, to have, have an outlook that zooms out and these problems that seem so big are just, so much smaller. I can only imagine like when you're flying that, you know, what that, what that, what that feels like, you know, to be in the cockpit. It is a great feeling, Chris, when I'm, I always specifically like to fly over like little uh, towns or, or areas where I can look down and have something to look at. Cause it's, it's so cool to see it from up high and you're like, Oh wow, I was there or there's the house. And, and, you know, you see things from a different perspective. And like you're saying, it makes it look kind of small, these challenges um, when you see them from up high. And it's just 
a really exhilarating feeling to be in the air and to be free and to feel limitless and to have that, you know, the winds in your face if you want, because the wind, the plane that I fly, you can actually fly with the windows down, which is so cool. Um, but it's really an incredible feeling of empowerment and knowing that uh, you can, and, and, and it's about shifting that perspective. One, one of the, the themes that I'm hearing come across in this episode is this concept of innovation, right? And, and perspective, right? So, you know, many of us have a, a perspective of achievement that, you know, you only see the end result. You only see the, the output after countless years and sweat and, and effort uh, made towards that goal. Um, one of the things I'm hearing about your story are, uh, is a series of, uh, iterations, right? Whether it's coming to learn how to dress yourself, you know, just trying these different iterations. And I think that's what really innovation is made of. It's, it's made up of a series of iterations. So someone who maybe, you know, I look at the reverse scenario, right? Someone who has their, their arms and hands, but their mindset might be holding them back. What would you say to that person? Because it sounds like you've, you've come to terms with mastering your physical abilities, but I'm also impressed by hearing how you've tackled your mindset. So I'd like to tap into that a little bit. You know, what would you say to people that have the ability to, to do more in their life, to rise above uh, but their mindset might be holding them back. I love addressing the mindset because uh, we create our own limitations in a way. And I love, I love that shift, but I think it starts with awareness because someone could totally be unaware of that and not recognize it. And the moment they do realize that, oh, I've, I've created uh, this limitation in my life because of a fear or, um, you know, that I didn't want to stretch myself because, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I think bringing awareness is the first step and, and recognizing that. And then once you do recognize that I'm creating this limitation for myself, then you can rise above it and say, well, what do I need to do to break free of it? I love that. And, um, you know, I think about my, my daughter, she's, uh, her, her, uh, her name's Faith. She's 10, uh, and, or sorry, nine, uh, and, um, going on 10. <laughs> And, you know, it's in her name, right? Faith. And this, like, if I think about all, like what I want for her the most, it's exactly what you're describing, right? Like that there are no, there are not limitations, you know, uh, she can dream and she can dream together with people to create things. And, you know, she can face any obstacle with the sense of fearlessness that you, you know, embody. And uh, we'll definitely watch that documentary. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, but definitely it's something that I think, you know, into Rob's question earlier, everybody can, can benefit from it. And I guess the, the beauty of it is it's this principle is already democratized. Like everybody has access right to these principles of, you know, starting now with just seeing differently, you know, as you said, and I love that. Was there anything you'd add to, to that with, you know, just how people can kind of get inspired you know, to, to start doing that more. Sure. I want to just give an example and Chris, you may remember this example because 
this is an example that helped me just bring home that message of seeing things differently. And it was really the way in which I approached tying my own shoelaces. And I remember as a kid uh, learning to tie my laces on, on the on the playground. And there were my shoes and everyone was doing it one way. They had their feet inside the shoe. The teacher was demonstrating with bunny ears how to tie the bow. And then I recognized at that moment that everyone else's method wasn't going to work for me. That even my own teacher, the person teaching us and who should know the better way wasn't going to work for me, but that was okay. And so what I did is I took my feet out of my shoes and unlike everyone else, I took the laces between my toes and I followed as a teacher demonstrated the bunny ear, one bunny ear or two, make the bow. And I did it with my toes. It took a lot of practice, but I eventually got the the bunny ears. I tied the bow and then I realized, well, now the shoe is too tight for me to fit my foot back in. So I had to untie the laces and this time leave room for me to fit my feet back in the shoe. So I tied a looser uh, bow. And then when it was loose enough, I could then pull up on the tongue, slip my foot in the shoe, and I had my shoes tied. And I always say, I learned how to think outside the shoe. But that's something that everyone can do. And they have the capability to do that. I love that too, because it's there's also an analogy there, right? About fit, like fitting into something. And we, you know, we try to fit in, right, to society or to, you know, and in school this happens. And, you know, and I, I know for myself too, I, now you know, it's a different thing, but yeah, you know, being left-handed and, you know, growing up, like you have a certain pair of scissors or things that like were, the world was set up a certain way and it wasn't my way. Right. And so I'd perceive it and I'd like, I didn't know what to do at first. Right. But then I'd figure out some other way. And, you know, it's, it's in everybody to some extent, you know, because one, one size doesn't fit all right in life. Well, most people, you know, cause you could look at that and it's like, wow, that is it. That is an extreme experience with feeling like a misfit. And yet, you know, on, to some extent we all feel like a, a misfit. We have an original voice and we have something about us that is, that is different. And so embracing that, right. And the power of that, um, it, it kind of, it just, like you said, it, 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 it say, um, you know, thinking outside the shoe, it creates possibilities for, you know, what people can do because rather than just set it as a structured one answer approach, it's like, wow, like what, what could you, what possibilities could you create? Right. If it's just this open space, it's really, really inspiring um, for any solution. Right. And if people are trying to create new products and services, right. If they're trying to do something different in their life or create new relationships, it's like, wow. Um, what would it be if, if we just weren't thinking as much about the obstacles or the construct as it, has existed for everybody else. And we were thinking more about what could, what could be. Right. I love it. Yes. So what if, I guess. Yes. The possibilities are endless. I, I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, for those, uh, uh, who, who seen, I, I watched, uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick and, you know, <laughs> just watching, watching people fly like this, like, Oh, like it's crazy. It's amazing. Right. And it's so, and it, it's exhilarating to just watch it. Um, I'm curious too, like, when's the book coming out, uh, you know, your story, right. Or there, is there one we can, you know, share with people. And then when's the movie you know, coming out as well about your life story, because it's that it's really inspiring. Thank you. There is a book out there already on Amazon. It's disarm your limits, the flight formula to lift you to success and propel you to the next horizon. 
and that is available for anyone. And there is a documentary on Amazon Prime right now called Right Footed, and feel free to share that with your family. It's a family-friendly documentary about the journey to becoming a pilot, but most importantly, how aviation is a tool of inspiration around the world. The documentary uh, maker, Nick Spark, followed us, um, meaning my husband and myself, around to three countries to to share the impact of aviation with uh, the mission of telling the world that disability doesn't mean inability. And so I share, I hope that people can enjoy that if they'd like to watch more. Man, one of the, one of the great blessings of doing something like this show is that on a very regular basis, we have the, you know, the opportunity to not only learn about, but speak directly with people who are, um, they're doing things that keep the world turning. And I'm grateful for the things that you've shared with us today, because in every life there is pain, there are challenges. So even though, you know, each of us has our own unique life, um, by, by sharing your example, by being brave and by doing the things that you've done from the time that you were a child, You've provided people a vicarious experience that can encourage them to improve the world around them, to try again, to do something different. And I'm just very grateful for that. So thank you, Jessica. Oh, that was so sweet. And thank you, Rob. That was, I I really feel um, fortunate too that I've been so blessed. This episode of Lead with a Question was produced by me, Rob Callan, with support from my co-hosts and BraveCore founders, Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen. The music you heard was composed by Ian as part of another project he's involved in called Moon Machine. Dave Arcade created our podcast cover art. Special thanks to Jessica Cox for the conversation today and for elevating our concept of what's possible. There's a lot you can do to learn more about Jessica's story and support the good work she's doing. Her website is jessicacox.com, where you can read up on her history, donate to her research and the construction of the new plane design, and even book her as a guest speaker. We'll also put the link to her book and documentary in the show notes. Also, we really appreciate you for taking the time to co-create these conversations with us, especially when there are so many other things you could be doing. If you found any value at all in these episodes, could you do a favor, leave us a rating, even a review, wherever you're listening right now. It takes about two minutes and helps others discover the show as well. You'll be helping to build the movement. If you want to learn more about the work we're doing at Brave Core, you can check out our website at bravecore.co. The Lead with a Question podcast is a production of Brave Core LLC. Thanks for being with us.